Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today, we actually have some news to talk about. So, on Friday, the Buffs got a commitment from Atonza Vonger. He was a safety at TCU, uh, part of the 2018 recruiting class, number 16 safety in the country, had offers to, to Bama, to Clemson, to pretty much everybody else too. Um, wound up at TCU basically because that's where he grew up and he wanted to stay home in Texas. Um, things didn't go great at TCU, and that's why he was in the transfer portal, but it was another great get for Colorado to pick up a, 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 another talented player. So today we're going to talk about that. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on Atonza Vonger, and... I have some some thoughts on what we've seen from this coaching staff in general when it comes to this the, the transfer portal um, so far. You know, uh, Carl Durrell signed on, what, a year plus a couple months ago. A lot of people were worried about the recruiting stuff, um, whether, whether he had a, whatever you want to call it, a, a vibe that would connect with high school football players, elite high school football players. Um, and we don't really have an answer there yet. The truth is the Buffs recruiting class, if you trust all the, you know, 247 sports, the rivals, all them, still not a good class that he brought in. But a lot of, honestly, potential NFL talent. Um, maybe maybe that's a little bit lofty, but, but you know, we're going to talk about some of that stuff too. Um, so yeah, that's the plan for today. It's exciting. We don't get news very often. Um at least for football this time of year. So we're going to take advantage. Um, before we get into Atonza Vonger, though, the Colorado XOs are a rugby team. Uh, since we last talked, they lost a rugby game, and now they are 5-2. and two. Still really good, though, because none of those guys have played rugby before. They're, they're former football players, SEC football players, former soccer players, baseball players, um, not all that many baseball players, uh, but... Athletes who are very good at what they did, not quite good enough to to continue their career, and so they're going to try rugby with the intention of going on to the U.S. national team, which trains at the same facility as the Colorado Eagles um, out in Glendale. It's a really cool thing that they've got going on. Obviously, it's going well so far. They're five and two, and you can follow along with the DMVR Rugby podcast, with the DMVR Rugby Twitter account, and with the written content by Colton Strickler at thedmvr.com. All right. Um, before we get into like all the the big takeaways and like 
you know, that, that sort of thing. Like the big picture stuff. Got to start by just talking about Atanza Vonger because there is a lot to like about him as a football player. Um, let's just kind of start at the beginning. So in high school, he was a safety. He was a running back. Um, uh, obviously a very good athlete. That's that's the only way you wind up being like a .92 whatever uh prospect according to the 24 7 sports composite like i said that made him a four star number 16 in the country bunch of offers chose tcu mostly because he wanted to stay closer to home and things didn't go great things didn't go great um his freshman year during fall camp there were some some positive reports coming out during camp but before camp was over he tore his acl didn't play at all his freshman year um the two years that followed, so so that was the 2018 season, and then in 2019 and 2020, um, he was competing for a, a job in you know the the defensive rotation, the rotation of defensive backs. Didn't get into the rotation and actually never took a defensive snap at TCU, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, played a lot of special teams, a lot of I think he was on the punt return team and on the kick coverage team. Um, wound up in, let's see, I think 2019, he had a couple tackles, also missed two tackles. Um, and then in 2020, last season, he was out there, but didn't show up in the stat sheet. Um, obviously not at all what you want to see, but again, he's a, he's a former four star who's in the transfer portal. There, there's going to be some things that you don't like. Uh, if, if this is the path he takes, it's rare that you just see somebody who's really good and gets in the transfer portal. So the reason why I, uh, am still really optimistic is because I don't look at him as somebody who, you know, he, he has a lot of really good traits. Um, he's going to be one of Colorado's bigger safeties. They have some guys like uh, Ray Robinson who switched from linebacker to safety, or uh, who else is big? I mean, Torrin Pittman's like six foot four. I thought there was another one in the pipeline who was pretty big. Uh, doesn't matter. The point is, when you look at the players who have actually gotten on the field at safety for Colorado in their careers, they aren't all that big. You know, you've got Mark Perry, you've got uh, Isaiah Lewis. Um, you've got Chris Miller. I think Chris Miller's like 190. Mark Perry's like 200 even. Um, and then you've got Isaiah Lewis at like 205. Um, and all six feet tall. So it's not like they're a lot smaller than uh, Atonza, who is uh, he's 6'1", 208. At least that's what he was listed as by TCU last year. The thing about him is that there's room for more weight. And I'm actually kind of surprised that TCU didn't have him put that weight on. Um, like when you look at him, especially like when you look at him in high school, he just has massive shoulders. And he had big old shoulder pads on him too. And as a running back, he was like running behind those and it worked really well. You know, he, he's not a speed player. He is a more physical player. Um, honestly, I think his best fit is as like a hybrid linebacker safety Um I do think that you probably want to put a couple more pounds onto him to 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 do something like that. Um, but with that frame, I do think that that should be pretty easy to do. And that's that's what I think. You know, at the same time, 
Uh, the, the one player that left CU's secondary was Darian Rakestraw, or the one starter, I guess. Um, the one real contributor last year um, was the starting free safety, Darian Rakestraw. And obviously that makes the free safety job the one that's kind of up for grabs. But I also think that, you know, Isaiah Lewis might fit back there well. Um, Mark Perry, I always kind of liked more in the box, but I'm, I think I might've been wrong about that, especially like the, the fact that he's a, a track star at this point. Um, he, he should be able to, to play free safety. You should be able to put him in the deep middle of the field and let him run around and break things up. Uh, he, he's fast enough. He has enough range, or at least he should given the, the track thing that's going on and, it's not like he's bad. They're, they're really good. Um, I'm not so sure, though, like I was saying, that I look at Vonger and say, that's where you fit in. Again, he's a bigger guy. He can tackle. You go back and watch what he did in high school. Um, they played him a, a lot in the box. They had him defending the run game, and he did well, and that's the thing. It's not like you're just saying, he's not the fastest, so he can't play back there. Let's put him up here. No. Uh, he can he can get off of blocks. Um, he can get into the backfield, and I think that that is what you want him to do. Um, and on top of that, if if you pick something for him to do like that, then you can say there's room for another twenty pounds on you. Let's put ten of those on and, and see what happens. Come back in in the fall with ten more pounds, like you know two twenty, and let's see where you fit in. Because to me. If, if I were this coaching staff, you know, we heard Chris Wilson early in camp, maybe even before camp, say, we aren't going to have a base defense. We're going to be changing things week in, week out, based on what we're going to see that week. Um, because you see a variety of different offenses in the Pac-12. I think that, you know, we don't know exactly what that'll look like. My guess is that still that, whatever you want to call it, the 3-4 or 3-3-5 three, three, um I guess the important part, three-man front with that star backer out there. That star who's a hybrid safety, linebacker, corner, whatever. Um, and I think that that's how you become very versatile, is you can fit different players into that spot. And we've talked about this before. But, you know, when you're playing USC, and, and they're it's not exactly the air raid, kind of the air raid, I think that you you put a cornerback right there. When you play a Stanford, want to roll with two tight ends, that's where maybe Vonger fits in pretty well, um, especially if you can make him just a little bit bigger. I think that there are some similarities to what Davion Taylor did from that spot that that I that they get me excited at least. Um, now at the same time, Davion, 225 pounds at his pro day, ran a 4.39. That's a little bit different player. Also, though, you've got uh, you've got some strengths from Vonger that a Davion Taylor didn't have. You know, for for all the things that Davion was good at, and there were a lot of them, he didn't start playing football until what? Did he did he play in high school? It's been so long, I can't remember the story. I, I think I don't think he played in high school at all. I think he started at JUCO, um, and because of that, you know, there, there were flaws in. Like his technique, especially in coverage, um, there's some flaws in his feel in coverage. And even though you can kind of look at the traits that he has and say, okay, he should be faster. Um, 
maybe maybe a little more bursty. He, he really explodes off the snap and gets into the backfield, that kind of stuff. And I think that you expect some of that to show up in coverage a little bit more. Even though he has those traits, Vonger, I think, is still the better player in coverage. And I think he could kind of open things up for that defense because he could be a little bit more versatile. Now, at 208 pounds, we'll see what he can do in the box. Um, we'll see. Um, going back, though, to, to TCU, it's really important to mention that that TCU secondary, I, th- I think it's easy to think of TCU and say, well, you know, yeah, they're good and they've, they've had their, their strengths. But if you can't get onto the field at TCU, are you going to be any more than a role player at CU? And I think so. And the reason why is that that TCU secondary was one of the best in the country. Um, the, the safety duo of Trayvon Merrig and... Uh, Ardarius Washington, to me, I, I think you could make the case was, if not the best, a top three duo. You know, Merrick wound up winning the, what is it? I think it's the Jim Thorpe Award is the best defensive back in the country. He won that. A lot of people had him as the best safety in the draft. He didn't wind up being the first safety chosen, but... He, he was picked pretty early in the second round. Ardarius Washington, when when he was on the board, let's see, when was that? I think in the fourth round? It was fourth or fifth round. It must have been fifth round. He was still on the board, and he wasn't my favorite safety on the board, but he was one of the ones I, I saw and was like, okay, this would be a great pick for the Broncos. This is great value here. Now, he wound up falling all the way out of the draft um, was, well, I mean, you go through all the lists though. It's like top undrafted free agents. His name will be in every one of those. Um, and so when you have those two safeties in front of you, plus plenty of other good players in that secondary, um, some of whom were younger than Vonger and because of the injuries, because of whatever they passed him on the depth chart. And I think that that maybe played into him wanting to try a new home. Um, there were other ones. Who's the corner last year? There was a, uh, I can't remember his name, but, the, but they had a, they had a first round pick corner last year too. Um, so the point is that was a really good secondary and there's a lot more good players that are still in that program. And yeah, you, you'd obviously like for, for the new buff to be somebody who's like, yeah, well, those guys are good. Look at what I can do. They're going to play me instead. If that happened, then he wouldn't have been in the portal. So, you know, you, there's some wins and some losses. And also, I want to go back. I, I talked about him being slow. He's not slow. He's just not fast. You know, you, you don't look at him and say, he's flying around out there. I mean, well, that's he does kind of fly around out there, but in his own way. Um, yeah, I mean, for his size... He's probably an, an average athlete. It's just when you see four-star prospect offers to all the places he got offers, um, number 16 safety in the country, you expect a little bit more. Now, if he was faster, well, then all of a sudden you're talking maybe one, two, three in the country instead of 16. Um, do I have any more notes on him? For the most part, I think those are all my thoughts. Uh, no, trust in Oliver, 6'4", 220. But again, he hasn't really played. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of my thought is that I, I don't think, you know, you go back and look at what he did in the camps in high school. And that's the other thing about him. Like I said, hasn't taken a defensive snap in a real game since 2017. So what is he now? Who knows? He, he might be faster. He might be stronger. He might be great in coverage. Who knows? Um, but based on what we saw back then, especially in the camps, when they tried him in one-on-one coverage, things didn't go great for him. Things didn't go great for him, you know, because he does have that bigger frame, which I really like the, the, the change of direction, the, the short area quickness, and, and even some of that long speed, just not quite there in the way that if, if you were building the perfect football player, you, you would have had more of those traits in there. It's, there's plenty to like again, though. He can get off blocks. He makes tackles. Um, he can hit hard. Um, and he has good feel and coverage. I, I think again, not a huge sample size, but I liked what I saw, you know, not maybe against say Dimitri Stanley or Britton Covey, or even like any of the receivers that USC has. But if you want him out there in that star spot, covering tight ends, maybe he's even a dime linebacker, um, the, the money spot. That's where I think that he becomes a very versatile player because he's going to be able, I think, to cover those tight ends. You know, you look around the Pac-12, Brant Keithy from Utah is probably the best tight end. I think that I think that'd be a fun matchup to watch. Again, you're you're kind of guessing at what he's going to look like at this point because we haven't seen him in four years. But I do think that he can hold his own in coverage. And hold his own in the run game. What you'd really like is for one of those to turn out to be a real strength. Because that's how you get a plus player. Um, So yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that I wanted to say about him. But um, there's, there's a lot more to talk about. Because what we've seen from this coaching staff so far is that they're going to work in that transfer portal. And I'm curious to see how it's going to pay off, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. First though, want to remind you guys that if you are not a member at DMVR, you should do that. Um, for all the usual reasons, like, uh, I mean, you get big beer for size, small beer, access to all the written content, uh, all sorts of different stuff, all sorts of different stuff. But right now there's an awesome deal. Uh, Holistic Wellness is sending a Recover Holistic Stick to new DMVR members who get an annual membership or longer. Um, What they are is basically like a CBD stick. You pour it in your drink, you stir it around, and then you drink it, and then you get the CBD in you. Like I said, the one that they send is focused on recovery. Uh, So obviously, like, you go work out, you do it after, then you're going to feel better about how your body feels. I don't know what I'm saying, but, um, it's, it's awesome stuff. They have like four others like digestion, all that. Um, and you can check all that out at holisticwellness.com. That's H O L I S T I K wellness.com. Plus you can use the code DMVR 30 and get 30% off your purchase from holistic wellness. Um, and yeah, Again, if you want to get that annual membership, you also get a free t-shirt. You get the Recover Holistic Sticks. You can check it out. That comes with a coupon. I actually don't know what that coupon is. It might be better than 30%. might be worse. 
I guess those are the options. Oh, it could be, it could also just be 30%. Um, yeah, definitely sign up. Also, uh, oh, Hassle Cattle Company. Uh, we brought you damn good beef. Nope, we brought you damn good beer. Now we're bringing to you damn good beef. Wow, I really botched that. Um, it's so good, actually, that you can now get Hassle Cattle Company's Wagyu beef at the DMVR bar. Um, that's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. All you have to do is come down to the bar and you can build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger. You get to add all the toppings you want and you get to enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. It really is good stuff. They have a whole bunch of different products if you want to order from them instead of coming down to the bar. Um, the, the, the hamburger I mentioned uh, it won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam, which is pretty impressive. Uh, they've also got smoked sausage. They've got New York Strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, a couple of different jerky flavors. I think they have like some of those like just meat sticks. I feel like I feel like there should be a name for those. Meat stick just doesn't do it for me. Um, but they are really good. They do taste really good. Uh, if you guys want to check any of that out, it, it's seriously good stuff. It's a it's a fourth generation cattle farm from texas uh no antibiotics no hormones just a really great product you can go to hasslecattlecompany.com that's h-a-s-s-e-l-l cattlecompany.com use the promo code dnvr10 for 10 percent off your order um and you get free shipping so definitely check that out it's really good stuff cannot recommend it enough also, uh, the hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, they grow in excitement and anticipation. This weekend is no different. Uh, two of the sport's most respected fighters are stepping into the ring Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55 to 1 odds on either main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. That's about $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code DNVR when you sign up, and for a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. I feel like, uh, I feel like we got through that pretty quick. I don't know. I'm impressed with myself, at least. Um... Yeah, let, let's talk about this portal stuff because, like I said, the the biggest question with Carl Durrell when he was hired, and honestly, like, you, you look at how Buffs fans were reacting to the hire, you would think it's not just, like, a question. It is just a, a massive, massive flaw. And, you know, to be clear, when you look at what the recruiter recruiting ranking guys said about Colorado's class this year, they did not like it. They really did not like it. It's not like all the people saying, oh, I'm not sure this is going to go great. It's not like they were wrong. According to the recruiters, if you're into the recruiting stars, they were, what, 10th 
out of 12 Pac-12 teams, it's not where you want to be, especially when you look at where they were last year. Um, I mean, Mel Tucker's recruiting class. Uh, actually, that finished seventh in the Pac-12. It felt like for most of the year it was better than that. I mean, Mel's just such a great salesman that that it was probably right there the whole time, but we just listened to everything he said. The, the thing about those two is that, like, they just see things totally differently. Um, or, again, at least they claim to see things differently. Um, from Mel's perspective, you know, it's all about the stars. You know, he's somebody who... He he wants to to win. He wants to win on the football field. He wants to win in the recruiting battles. And to him, sometimes it feels like the recruiting is just as important as the actual games. And part of that's probably because he was here for one year. In that one year, nobody expects him to go out there and be a great football team. Like, they, they didn't make a bowl game for a few years before that. What you can do, though, is say, you know what? Bama wanted a shot Clayton. LSU wanted a shot Clayton. Well, guess who got him? We were able to bring a shot Clayton in and, and that gets your name. Um, first of all, it gets like Colorado's name out there. People are talking about CU. And if you have a great recruiting class, there are benefits to that. Um, you know, obviously the biggest one is that you get the, the biggest and the strongest and the fastest players most often, because that's usually who gets the most recruiting stars. But also, people talk about you when you get the guys who get a lot of stars because that's who everybody's following. There's a bunch of reporters who are talking all about these guys. You know, that's that 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 is a very real thing that happens and it builds momentum and it makes it easier to recruit in the future. At the same time, what really matters is what happens on the field. There is a correlation, though. Carl Durrell, on the other hand, you know, he's, he's told us what he thinks of recruiting. You know, obviously you want to go get the guys who, who have NFL bodies, you know, guys who you say, this, this is going to be somebody who's going to be a, a star because he's big and strong and fast and all that. But I do think that while he does appreciate those qualities, of course, because he's a football coach, he also maybe is more focused on you know, some of the off-field stuff. I don't even know if you want to call it off-field. You know, he wants smart guys. He wants guys who want to win. Guys who will put the team first. Um, guys who, like, really, really, really love football and will do whatever it takes to keep playing football for as long as they can possibly play football. Um, before camp started, was it before camp? Maybe it was after signing day. I think we talked to him after signing day. Uh, he told the story of Matthew Slater, who he recru recruited to UCLA and said, you know, he was not somebody who was supposed to be good <laughs> at all, but he really, he, first of all, smart guy, cared a lot, really, really, really wanted to play football. And you look at what happened with him, you know, you might know his name. You might not. Depends on probably how closely you follow the NFL. But he's been in the NFL now for 10 years probably. Just playing special teams. You know, maybe he's gotten a couple of snaps with the Patriots at receiver. For the most part, though, special teams. And he's a Pro Bowl special teamer. 
because that was the way that he found to keep playing football. And so Carl tells stories like that. Like, those are the guys that we want to get. Not necessarily, I mean, you want biggest and strongest and fastest, but you also want somebody who wants to be there, who wants to win, who supports his teammates, um, will contribute to a positive culture that will help everybody become better football players. That kind of stuff. And, you know, we'll see how it works. Because with recruiting, it just, it takes a while. Um, you know, the, the guys that he brought in in this first recruiting class, again, a recruiting class that a lot of people would say was not good because of, you know, the, the stars and all that. Again, there's something to that. But you don't know for sure until they're all off campus, until you've seen what they all contributed to CU. Um, and you also can't judge him by one class. And if you were going to judge him by one class, you probably shouldn't judge him by his first class, especially during a pandemic, especially when he became the coach. He was like, what, the, the last Power 5 coach hired? Maybe even the last Division One coach hired last season. Um, and so you have some weird circumstances. So then you say, well, you want to get the second class all the way through. And then you think about it and say, well, if things keep going the way they are for Colorado, that third class is where you actually have some clout. You go and sit down and say, hey, we've made it to three straight bowl games. We're building from there. You know, that's, and, and so it does take five or six years to really see what the effects are of these different recruiting styles. Now, at the same time, could Carl Durrell say, say that, like, that's what he's after, and that's why, you know, maybe maybe the stars aren't quite lining up, but, but our evaluations of these guys, you know, we have them as a little bit better football players than the recruiters say, plus what, what those recruiting experts don't get to see is stuff like how they contribute to the culture of the locker room and that kind of stuff. Um, and he could just be saying that and, and biding his time until he can actually go get four stars. Again, like there's four, four teams in the pack 12 who didn't get a four star this year. And the other ones were Arizona, Oregon state. Who was the other? It wasn't Washington state. It was a bad team. It was a bad team, though, and not one of the teams that Colorado wants to be considered with when you look at the Pac-12. I don't know. We'll see how everything plays out. We'll see how everything plays out. But with all of that sort of recruiting stuff going on loudly, you know, that's what everybody talks about. Colorado made a killing in the transfer portal, and you wonder why that is. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about Atonza Vonger, he was actually the number three, number three rated transfer, um, according to, you know, the, the the experts in terms of like what they were rated out of high school, which things change. And, and some of these guys 24 seven has updated transfer ratings for, um, which are always lower because things didn't go well with their first school. Um, but when you just look at the talent that they added, you know, Atonza Vonger third in front of him. You've got Jack Lamb, the linebacker from Notre Dame. He's a .9547 prospect out of high school. 6'4", 220. Couldn't get on the field at Notre Dame. A lot of people can't get on the field at Notre Dame. That's a tough place to get on the field. You look, you know, we talked a lot about the, the people who were kind of blocking a tons of anger. And to, to be very clear, there were others on the death chart who moved past him who are not in the NFL right now. Again, there's a lot to like about them. That's not the point. Jack Lamb, you have Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo in front of him. One of the, the 
big name linebackers in this year's draft. Um, in a couple of ways, but uh, you also, I guess I can't name more, but I think it's probably probably pretty safe to say they've got some other good linebackers. And the thing about Jack Lamb is he actually played some, um, but you have him in there. Um, we don't need to spend this much time on everybody. The, the, the number one transfer in terms of their high school rating, um, Robert Barnes, nine five seven four, a, a guy from Oklahoma, and again, tough to get on the field at Oklahoma. They're they're what was the last year they were in the college football playoff there that's a team with a lot of talent and at this point just because somebody can't get on the field at oklahoma doesn't mean they can't get on the field at colorado in three or four years you want that to change you want to string together some bowl games get some more talent in and then all of a sudden it's like yeah we we are right up there with all these guys that obviously has not happened yet um and so these guys really can patch things up and especially, like, you look at the other guys, too. Um, Noah, Noah Fensk, Noah Fensky. I'm not sure. Here's what I'll say. No offense, Noah Fensk. I'll learn your name. Um, but that was the dumbest thing I've ever said. Uh, he's from Iowa. He's, a, he's an offensive guard who's six foot five from Iowa. That, that's somebody who should be competing for a job at Colorado. And again, for some reason it didn't work out and I haven't gone through the tape or like asked around or even like dug into the message boards at Iowa and heard what they have to say. When you see Iowa offensive line transfer with a build like his build, you should get excited. Um, you know, Blaine Toll, tight end from Arkansas. Maybe not the most impressive SEC team. Still an SEC team at this point. Colorado, if they can get SEC talent, that's a good thing. Especially at tight end, where you've, you've got Brady Russell, of, of course, but Matt Lynch is your number two right now. That's definitely fine. You know, I, th I think fine is the right word for it. And, and there's potential for him to play up in his second year playing tight end. Or actually, he might have played a year of tight end at UCLA. I can't remember. But, I mean, there, there's reasons to believe that he could improve in his final year of eligibility certainly based on what we saw last year i think blaine toll can compete and, and eric olson the, their top uh high school recruit this year he could absolutely compete too and there's other guys there the point is you're bringing in one more player at a position of weakness that has as good a chance as anybody as being that number two tight end in the same way jack lamb he could be your your second inside linebacker um atonza vonger like i said one of the safeties left last year. He'll compete for for a starting job. Um, no offense, he could uh, he could uh, compete as well. I mean, all these guys have paths. J.T. Shrout, of course, is competing, as we well know. Um, the point is, you look at where these guys are coming from, and I like the strategy. Um, and I think who wouldn't like the strategy? This is the strategy that you should use with the transfer portal. There are guys who were. We know for sure we're very talented a couple years ago, and that talent doesn't just disappear. A lot of things can go wrong, but when they're seen the way that they were seen and can't get onto the field at some of the premier schools in the country, that's fine. Like like anybody in the transfer portal, for the most part, is going to be flawed. Not not everybody, like what that that Henry Toe Toe guy who's going to uh, he's transferring from like Tennessee to Bama, yeah. But what's happening there is he's too good for Tennessee, so he's going to Bama. If you're Colorado, you're not... I mean, 
this is a tangent. Um, Samori Toure, awesome receiver from Montana. He transferred to Nebraska, and it was awful. But he made an incredible catch in Nebraska's spring game, and Nebraska fans say he's wide receiver one, and I don't blame him for leaving. I blame him for choosing Nebraska for sure, but that stuff happens. And maybe there's there's some of those guys that see you can go after too, but going after these guys who have, honestly, NFL builds, that's that's how you get the the four-star rating um, from, from these recruiting services. Going after those guys who didn't work out at schools where it's tough to get on the field, that's that's where I think there's a lot of value. Obviously, Carl Durrell and his staff agree. What's more impressive, though, because it's not like that's some novel idea to go after the guys who didn't quite work out at Oklahoma or Notre Dame. Duh. What's impressive is that they actually got him to choose Colorado. You got Atonza Vonger, for example. The 24-7, I think it was, had a, a, a list a month or two ago of the best defensive backs in the transfer portal. And it wasn't actually like uh, they didn't number them. They didn't say like number one, number two, all that. But, but he was the second name that was listed. And at the very least, what there were like five, seven guys in there. That's a good get. And a lot of people are looking for help in the secondary. The fact that he chose Colorado. I'm, I'm curious why I'm curious why. I mean, obviously, like, they have good facilities. Boulder's a cool place. They made it to a bowl game. Things are trending in the right direction and have been for a couple of years now. You have all that, but what what was it that actually sold them? Um, and, and what you see a lot of them say is that they really connect with the coaching staff and that they know what they're doing and that they trust them and that they care and that kind of stuff. And that's interesting, and it kind of it, it adds up. You know, when you see that these guys who, you know, maybe half their eligibility is gone, they want to continue playing football after their eligibility expires. They realize that the school they choose, that's that's how you figure out where you're going to wind up. Um, you know, if, if you go somewhere where they can develop talent, your odds of making it to the next level are much, much better. Um, and if you're a if you're a 17 year old who's making the decision you know, LSU has iPads in their locker. It's tempting. It's tempting. Um, but it's interesting. And and honestly, if, if you ask me, who, who do you want signing off on this program? Is it the four-star 17-year-olds or a bunch of guys who have been to some of the top programs and whatever happened, happened, but, but have been there and have seen that stuff? You want them to be signing off on Colorado because at the very least, you know, Robert Barnes, he, he's seen what uh, Blinken Riley does every day in practice. And then that whole staff, going from that to whatever else, you know, if, if he had five offers, it's nice to see that he thought that Colorado was the best of those five. Um, and because, again, I, I trust the, the 20-somethings' opinions better than the 17-year-olds, you know? And, and I think that that is the right way to look at things. Um, I think that's it for today. I think that I've pretty much said everything I want to say. Um, we'll be back on Monday with another podcast talking about something, I'm sure. Oh, I should say, DraftKings pick of the week. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, I think it's time to uh, put in your Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup bet. Um, obviously, like the best time... Actually, I mean, they've been a favorite pretty much all the way through, like the favorite all the way through. Hit a bit of a rough patch. 
I'm not worried. And that's why I think right now, you know what, the playoffs two weeks away? I guess we don't have an official date, but I think they were supposed to start in 10 days and then they had to schedule some more. Or no, they were supposed to start in two days. The last game of the season is in 10 days. So about two weeks, maybe a little more than two weeks, they're going to start. Again, the Colorado, they, they haven't looked so great the last few games. That means they're plus 450 right now instead of plus 300, plus 350. Or that's kind of where they were for most of the season. If you wanted to put a bet in on the Avs, now I think might be the best odds of the season. Um, and you're coming up on the postseason. They're not going to get any better unless they really fall off. So, I mean, you have that. But but I do think that that's a team that you want to bet on um, because they are so talented and because you finally have a decent value. Uh, so that's going to be the DraftKings pick of the week. It's time to put your Avs Stanley Cup bets in. Um yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say. So that will do it. And like I said, I will be back on Monday.